From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Covens. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we feature Memphis Instrumental Act, Impala. We'll hear a performance we captured as the band celebrates the release of a new studio effort. It's called In the Late Hours. And later in the program, we get to sit down and hear from band leader and Memphis studio veteran, Scott Beaumont. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver another installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hello, Kevin. This week, we're back at the best little dive bar in the whole wide world. It's bar DKDC, located right here in the heart of Midtown Memphis. One of our favorite spots to record shows, and this week, we've got instrumental surf band Impala with us. These guys are really the stuff of legend around town. And we won't even get into the disconnect between surf music and Memphis, Tennessee. I don't think surfboards operate too well on the muddy Mississippi River. Even though the image this brings to mind is pretty spectacular. Right, but Impala is all about the music and it's all about the attitude. It's this bastardized blend of garage rock, soulful horn arrangements and instrumental melodies that get stuck in your head. And we certainly know our instrumental bands in this town. Booker T and the MGs, Willie Mitchell and High Rhythm, the Bill Black Combo, the Marquis. We do have a track record of doing that extremely well. When Impala surfaced in the Memphis garage scene in 1993, local audiences hardly knew what hit them. Led by Memphis producer Scott Bomar, guitarist John Stiver, sax player Justin Thompson, and now including veterans Paul Buccanani and Mark Franklin on drums and trumpet respectively, the band entered Sam Phillips' recording studio to cut the album El Rancho Reverbo with legendary Memphis engineer and guitarist Roland James. Roland was apparently pretty impressed by the young rockers, and soon Impala found themselves signed to a label and touring all over the U.S. Four albums and several movie soundtracks later, the band decided to go into semi-hiatus and Bomar embarked on an award-winning production and film scoring career. Which includes opening his own studio, Electrophonic Recording, and starting the soul review known as the Bo Keys. Which you've heard many times on this program, most recently backing high records legend Don Bryant late last season. But there's nothing better than getting the band back together, and that's what the guys have done. Again, the new record is called In the Late Hours. It's available on Bomar's own Electrophonic Recordings label. Here's Impala live on Bill Street Caravan.
That was Impala, live on Beale Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from the band in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. This week, we learn about Ray Charles. The song wasn't that difficult. The singer was darn near impossible. Guitar Slim showed up drunk to the recording session and only got worse. He spoiled songs in every known manner, plus his own new creative ways. He would drift right out of rhythm, right out of tune, right into the wrong verse. They were recording live, so every blown take cost money and cost them to start everything over. Then Slim really got into the song, but seemed to think he was playing a live gig and walked right out of the studio on his long guitar cord. The front door slammed behind him. The fellows in the band looked to the guy producing the session, but got nothing from him either. Not only was the producer a young man, he also played piano and led the band, and not only was he inexperienced and overburdened, the man was blind. Great. The star walks out of the session, and the producer's sitting there behind his sunglasses. Does he even know what just happened? Then they heard him growl, and stay gone. A big tooth grin flickered across the face of Ray Charles. Twenty-six takes, he said. Well, I think we got the intro down. Slim slunk back in. Ray's heart went out to Slim. He could feel Slim's suffering, but now... Slim had spread that suffering around the recording studio and made up Ray's mind to give the bum one last chance. Take 27, he said, and not a penny more. The thing that I used to do Lord, I won't do no more. Slim gouged into the song on the verge of breaking his last string or blowing out his amp. The band went with him. The musicians held their breath, restless on the edge of their seats, waiting for Slim to fall apart. Slim broke tempo, but stayed close enough to sound raw rather than wrong. The band looked to Ray. He shook his head and didn't skip a note. Slim slipped a chord, but the band kept going. Ray felt his stomach tighten, his heart pounded. The breaths came short and shallow. He could hear Slim's calluses scraping on the strings. He could hear the hornmen inhaling raspy through their noses. He could hear every bad note separately, clearly on its own. It hurt. But Slim had nearly dragged himself through three minutes, not perfectly in time or in tune, but as close as he was going to get. They nearly reached the end of the endless song. Just another moment. And then Ray's relief and excitement burst out of him a little prematurely. Cosmo, the little guy engineering the session, laughed. Okay, one more time without the shout. Everyone chuckled, stood up, and stretched like the end of a long bus ride. They closed up their cases and headed in separate directions. With his sunglasses on, Ray exited the hot little studio into the New Orleans night. Though barely 21, Ray had been around. He left his home in Florida and got as far away as possible to Seattle, Washington. He'd zigzagged across the Chitlin circuit leading Lowell Folsom's band through the Southwest. He learned how money felt, not in some poetic coming-of-age way. If Ray couldn't tell a $1 bill from a 20, 
these people out on the road would rob him blinder. Independence was a matter of life and death. Ray had to take care of himself. Fortunately, his ears made up for his eyes. Of everywhere he'd been, Ray enjoyed listening his way around New Orleans, best of all. He had two miles to go from the recording studio to the Dewdrop Inn. His path led straight down Rampart Street through what the neighborhood locals called back of town. Virtually all the city's colorful legends known all over the world began as secrets back of town. French quarter sounds trailed away from Ray. Drunken clarinet and woozy trombone. Ghosts played in Ray's mind past the corner of Basin Street. Ferd Morton sang, I thought I heard Butter Bolton say, nasty, dirty, take it away. Ray smelled chop suey, peanuts roasting, bay rum. He knew intersections by the sound of traffic in front of him. A junk dealer called to him. Say man. Say man. And the crave itched deep inside. He felt the coldness of the dealer's soul. The dealer saw something in Ray and knew. Ray kept stepping. At last, he heard the dewdrop jukebox record playing. Patsy Vidalia screeching. She was a he. Patsy, who talked like a woman pretending to be Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy, she meant Ray was home. Ray pushed in the front door and took a seat at the bar. A man named Frank Panier ran the dewdrop. He looked after the musicians who performed on the dewdrop stage and lived in the rooms on the second floor. He even tolerated Patsy. Frank poured Ray a glass of scotch over ice and asked how Slim did. Terrible, Ray answered. He sipped the top off his scotch. Biggest damn hit of the year. Success bother you? Frank asked. Ray said, Slim took five hours to finish three minutes' work. I can read Beethoven with my fingertips. I can sense the pain that man was in when he composed Moonlight Sonata. Just as surely as Ray walked without a cane from the French Quarter to the Dewdrop, he had no plans to lean on Guitar Slim any longer. He was right about the song, though. The things that I used to do made it to number one and stayed on top for three months. That song made Ray's dilemma crystal clear. His own records hadn't reached the heights of Guitar Slim. Ray hadn't yet discovered how to communicate his unique vision of sound. He said, I love Nat Cole so much. What he's doing is so close to how I feel, it can't help but rub off on me a little. I want to tell you a story Oh, boy was once in love Ray lay in his room at the dewdrop. His brain arranged ornate compositions for imaginary orchestras. But more primal music hit him through the wall. He heard loving sounds from a couple next door. Ray chuckled. <laughs> Grunts and groans from the bedroom rocked back and forth like call and response in church. He felt it, the joy. If he could bottle that in song, he'd be a millionaire. Ray got up and went to work on the piano down in the Dewdrop Lounge. He thought about the blind walk back of town. He brought that hunger from the street to his vocals and married it to the joy of the bedroom. Ray pulled the yearning and thrills through every syllable. Well, I got a woman way over town. 
That song launched him on the road for 300 nights a year. No Lowell Fulson, no Guitar Slim, no Nat Cole imitations. Just the genius running his fingers over Ben Franklin's face. One of those nights found him near Pittsburgh. He had a sharp band behind him. He had new backup singers, a female trio he named the Raylettes. He also had a problem. The man holding the briefcase full of money said that they had another 10 minutes to go on the contract. Ray was out of material. Silence settled over the stage. He felt the Raylettes' eyes on him. He stood and counted his footsteps over to the Wurlitzer organ. They looked at each other as Ray struck up a song like a lightning bolt. He shook during the first note. Then he began to rock back and forth in his herky-jerky fashion. The drummer caught on fast. The dancers did too. They packed the floor. That big grin broke over Ray's face as he thought about his old room at the dewdrop. He grunted and the Raylettes groaned back. When they were through, Ray's fans mobbed him to ask where they could buy the record. He said, uh, it don't exist yet. to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Street Caravan has been bringing the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the musicians who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. Again, it's iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Tourism, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. 
We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're featuring Memphis's own instrumental surf rock band, Impala. We mentioned Memphis studio vet Scott Bomar's involvement in the band. Since the band went into semi-retirement, or basically retirement from the road, Scott's gone on to do a lot of different projects that we featured on this program. Scott's a band leader and arranger of film score. He's an engineer and he owns and operates his own studio in downtown Memphis called Electrophonic Recording. It's a pretty unique spot. See, there's a tradition of how we do things here in Memphis. First of all, we like analog tape machines. We like musicians playing all at the same time without all the isolation and all the overdubs that, you know, we kind of consider plaguing most of modern music. Scott keeps these traditions alive at Electrophonic. In an interview with the Memphis Flyer, he notes the album was cut at Electrophonic on a vintage analog Scully tape machine. That's the same machine Stax Records had, he said. We recorded some of the songs last year digitally, but the digital just never hit the mark. We went back and re-recorded everything on tape. It made such a big difference. This band was intended to be analog. And we have to note that Bill Street Caravan producer, Adam Hill, he's the guy that's responsible for this program sounding so good over the airwaves each week. He's also quite the recording studio guru himself. Adam handled the mixing of the Impala record. Well, we'll go back to the music now, but do stick around because we'll be sitting down and catching up with Scott Bomar here in just a few minutes. Here's more from Impala, live on Beale Street Caravan.
here with Scott Bomar from Impala. Hello, Scott. Hi, Pat. Good to be here. I am excited to have you, especially to talk about Impala. I mean, you've been on the show many different times in different incarnations. The Bo Keys, of course, being a, a favorite on the show. And um, now we're revisiting your youth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about the band history. Well, it was my first band. We formed when uh, I was in high school. And it was through that group, that's what opened all the doors for all the things that I've gone on to do. We are an instrumental band, very influenced by a lot of Memphis instrumental artists like Travis Womack and Roland Janes, who we worked with in the studio, Booker T and the MGs, Willie Mitchell, just all, you know, 50s, 60s Memphis instrumental music, uh, Bill Black Combo, you name it. We That was, you know, what really inspired us, along with a lot of other instrumental groups and film soundtracks from the 50s and 60s. Now that you've come back to Impala, how did you approach it differently now that you've got this other part of your brain that's thinking like a producer? The main thing that was different about this record than our previous records that we made in the 90s was that we were making this record at my studio, Electrophonic, versus going to like another studio. That was the main thing that was different about it. You know, with Impala, when we made records, we were always like looking for like a very authentic 50s, 60s sound. In the 20 years since we've made our last record, I've collected, you know, a lot of recording equipment. So I felt like I was able to like really get kind of a, a sound that suited our music uh, at my studio. Who is in the band now? So uh, it's John Stivers on guitar, Justin Thompson on saxophone, uh, which are two of the original members. The drummer on the album is Paul Bucignani, who is not an original member of Impala, but he started playing with us back in the mid-2000s. And we split up and stopped playing in probably 1998, I think, mm -hmm. and didn't play again until 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And when we got back together, Paul Bucignani started playing drums with us, and he's a great drummer. And also Mark Franklin, who is in the Bow Keys with myself, and who's also in the Love Light Orchestra, and he also played with Bobby Blue Bland. Mark is also on the record, and he plays with us live when he's available. I've always wondered, are you still a constant band, or are you a band that goes on hiatus, and then y'all get back together when you feel like you've got some music that needs to be put out? When we originally were together, we had material from back then we didn't record, and then when we got back together in the mid-2000s and start playing again, uh, John Stivers and I both had songs, new songs that we had written in the interim, and then we, uh, we just being together, we started coming up with new material. A few of them go back to the late 90s that we've had, we just never recorded them. And uh, then there's some on there that, that we wrote for the album. But uh, John is a very prolific writer. I mean, he's constantly coming up with stuff. He's got a loop pedal, this guitar pedal, where he can record loops. And he records at home on that pedal, and he makes recordings on that pedal that sound better than most people's studio recordings. <laughs> he's a pretty brilliant writer, guitar player. He, you know, kind of effortlessly comes up with all this guitar music that's really amazing. And I feel like Impala, you know, a lot of the magic is kind of tapping into 
what he does. When you guys went in, did you find that y'all were all still on the same page? We have a certain sound, even though we don't play together a lot, we've played together for a very long time. 20 something years, you know, we've played music together. And before Paul Bucagnani played in Impala, Paul and I were in a band called Easy Way together and we played in a lot of bands together. So I played with Paul Bucagnani for a very long time and Justin and John and Mark Franklin, I've played music with a lot. So we don't get together all the time, but when we get together, we kind of got a sound that just falls into place because we just kind of have done it for so long. Mm -hmm. Is it like a rediscovery for you to go back to something that you've done for so long? It, it was really satisfying to do it. I think it's definitely rooted in what we used to do, but I also think it's got some new sounds and some new things on it. And one thing that's been really nice is a lot of our fans who've picked up the new record all have commented how it they say that sounds like an Impala record. You know, I expected it to sound a lot different because it's been so long, but this sounds like, you know, what you guys naturally should sound like. It sounds like Impala. Well, I know that um, Bill Street Caravan engineer Adam Hill engineered the record. And so, um, you know, shout out to him. <laughs> he did a great job. He did an incredible job on it. So for the process itself, how long did y'all, did it take you guys in the studio to make this? I think we recorded it over probably 10 days and mixed it in about a week. What well, helps when a guy in the band has a studio? It does help, <laughs> but uh, you know, everyone in the band is super busy. Once we got there and start doing the work, that's the easy part. The hard part is like getting everyone there. <laughs> As a Memphis musician, what's the thing that makes you feel most proud about being from this collection of creatives. It's a great incubator for music. Uh, there's great studios here. There's great musicians here. There's great opportunities to make music. It's very affordable to live here. So you can be an artist here and you can grow your music. But on the other hand, there aren't a lot of labels here. There isn't a ton of industry here. And so you kind of have to make things happen yourself, and it takes a lot of hard work to, to make it happen. So anytime anyone from Memphis is successful, they didn't just have it handed to them. They had to like work really hard to get it. So it always makes me proud when I see people from here that are successful. Well, I thank you for taking time to chat with us, and we are going to go back and listen to more live music from Impala. Thanks, Pat.
That was Impala live on Bill Street Caravan. You can find out more about Impala and listen to all their other recordings by going to electrophonicrecordings.com. And if you're planning a trip to Memphis, just check out the local listing and maybe you'll be lucky and be able to catch them live. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public radio. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.